So we are working through the Battleground series uh, because we live in a battleground and we need to be ready for battle and so we have looked at the shrinking army, we have looked at the unseen army and this morning we're going to look at the one man army, the greatest underdog story that is found in the Bible that is David and Goliath. You know as we read God's word who knows that this, this book is the living word of God isn't it? And every time we open it, God speaks to us. And as we read the Bible, we find God. And as we read the Bible, God finds us. So we're going to read his word this morning. And our passage is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. The story is quite long, so I'm going to read just some bits of it. Um, But most of us probably know the story quite well. But let's just get some of the the highlights. I'm going to start from verse it says this and there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath whose height was six cubits and a span he had a helmet of bronze on his head and he he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of bronze and he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, Then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And we're going to jump ahead to verse 20. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse, his father, had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to battle, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left his things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, behold, the champion Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches, and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. David said to the man who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away this reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, So it shall be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? 
I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Paul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear, he took to take a lamb from the flock. I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said to the Lord, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And so Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armour and put a helmet of bronze on his head, clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armour and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't go with these, for I've not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Of, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. Wow. That's a battle story and a half, isn't it? You know, David is an awesome character of the Bible, probably uh, aside from Jesus, my favorite Bible character. And there's so much to learn from his life, but we're just going to look and focus on this moment and not look ahead to what comes after this moment. But we can't forget his past because David, this guy is the youngest of eight brothers. So that must be a challenge, mustn't it? 
And his own father seemingly forgot all about him. I don't know if you recall when Samuel came to, to, came to David's house to anoint the future king of Israel, his father, Jesse, lined up his sons one by one so that Samuel could observe them and see if this was the anointed king by God. And so he brings his sons up one at a time and Samuel's like, nope, nope, nope. Nope, all seven of Jesse's sons that he lines up, God hasn't confirmed any of them. And so Samuel was like, is this it? Is that all of your sons? And Jesse's like, yeah, yeah, that's all. Oh, uh, oh, wait a minute. No, there's one more. I almost forgot about him. The youngest, the runt of the litter, he's out in the field looking after the sheep. And Samuel's like, well, go and get him. Let's have a look at him. Let's see what he's made of. And so out he comes in front of Samuel and God's like, that's the one. That's the one. And so that's David, the forgotten son, a young shepherd boy. And so fast forward up to this moment and now we see this 17-year-old boy sent by his dad to take some bread and some cheese to his mighty brothers on the front line of battle. And so David does as he's told by his dad and he races out with these provisions and he arrives on the scene expecting to see battle, expecting to see some action going on. But what he finds is everyone just standing around. They're just standing around, hanging out, not really doing very much. And David's like, guys, what's going on? What is going on right now? Where's the fight? Have you already won? Is this it? And then out steps Goliath, this nine foot tall beast of a man, wearing armor that weighs nine stone and carrying a sword and a spear that weighs like 20 kilograms. It's ridiculous. He's a, just a giant, a behemoth of a man. And David realized what it is that's got this army stopped dead in their tracks. It's this giant. And so this morning, what I'm kind of asking in amongst the story that we're digging through is what giant are you facing? What is this giant that's in your life? What is it that's got you stopped in your tracks and stopped from pursuing and pushing forward in the, the plans that God has got for you? And do you know what? The Philistines weren't a new enemy. They weren't a new enemy. This wasn't a new battle. And so just like last week when we looked at the, the Syrians or the Amorites, that this isn't a new problem. This isn't a new problem. They'd fought before and yet once again up rises the ugly head of the Philistine army fighting and arguing with the Israelites and this giant stops them in their tracks. And so I wonder as we're working through this battleground series that God told me to bring so there's obviously something that we as a church and we as individuals need to hear. What is the giant in your life that this series is speaking into? What is it that has got you stopped dead in your tracks, stopping you from moving forward? What is it that God is speaking to you about I don't know, maybe over the past few weeks you've been coming to church and you've been hearing this message and you're thinking, yeah, that's a great encouraging word, but not really thinking about the practical personal application. But some of you, someone, maybe all of us has a giant in our lives right now that God is speaking to. 
And so we can't just sit there and go, yeah, that's a good word. This is great. I'm really encouraged. We've actually got to go, what is it that God is speaking to me about? What is it in my life right now? What's the giant that I'm facing? What's the repeated enemy that is coming against me that God wants to speak to me and to you about? Don't let this just be a nice message that we go out feeling cheery about. God is challenging us today. He's challenging us throughout this, this series. What giant are you facing? Because there are giants in this world, in our lives today. The giant of anxiety, the giant of fear, the giant of addiction, the giant of greed, the giant of self. What is it that we are facing But the encouragement and the promise from this story and that we see throughout this series is that we can be free. We can be free from our giant, whatever it is that's got us stopped dead in our tracks. What about the giant of comfort? And I think this is a little bit what Gary was speaking into before. What about the giant of comfort? Because David was sent to the camp and he was sent to bring some food. And when he arrived on the scene, he was expecting to see battle. His dad said, take this provision and bring back a report. Tell me how things are going. And so David arrives on the scene. And what is the report that he brings? Well, there's not a lot going on. There's not a lot happening. These guys are just standing around. And we read that this has been going on for 40 days. So I suspect that after 40 days, this army has got themselves feeling a little bit comfortable. They've got into the routine of what it looks like day after day. And then they know that they can go and chill out at the end of the day because there's no war. There's no fighting. They're just hanging out. And I suspect that David isn't the only younger sibling that was sent to the camp with some snacks. And so actually... It's a fairly easy life for this army. Yeah, they get up in the morning. They go out. Goliath shouts his taunts at them. No one goes forward to fight. They all go back to camp, have a bit of stew and a nice kip. Repeat the next day for 40 days. They've got themselves comfortable. They've got themselves kind of feeling okay in this situation, even though this giant is looming over them, hurling abuse at them and defying them. It's crazy how we, we learn to tolerate and almost accommodate things that God has already defeated in our lives. And and actually, I think that sometimes how we are living today is just a bit too comfortable. It's just a little bit too comfortable, and it's not how God intended it when he sent his son to die on the cross for us, that we would come to church week in, week out on a Sunday to sit around the campfire of church and have our cake at the end of it and sing some campfire songs and not actually go into battle. God's called us to battle. But so many of us aren't willing to put our heads above the parapet to step out and face and fight this giant that is looming over us. We've just got comfortable. We've got settled in the routine of how we are supposed to do church. I know what to do. I come on a Sunday. I sit in the pew. I sing some songs and then I go home hunky-dory. See you next Sunday. Why are we not connecting into other stuff? Why We are providing things For people to get equipped, to get empowered. Alpha is that. 
Encounter is that. Life groups is that. The mission work that we do is that. This is how we, as a local church, get equipped, get fired up to face the battles and the giants in our lives right now. We've got to connect to it. We've got to take hold of it. We've got to grab hold of the opportunities that are in front of us so we can face the giants and get out of our comfort zone and start to fight the battles. We've got to start to fight the battles. So David arrives at camp and he asks what's going on and then out steps Goliath and the routine goes on and on day in, day out. But David's having none of it. He's having none of it. This young, slightly obnoxious kid shows up and he's like, you guys are soldiers. Why on earth are you sitting around and not fighting? That is literally why you are here. You have been trained for battle. You have been called to battle and yet you're sitting around the campfire eating some stew. What is going on right now? And so we have to ask ourselves, have we just accepted our giant? Are we just living in a place where, yes, this thing, this circumstance, this situation, this challenge is coming against me day in, day out, but I know the routine. I know how this goes. It rears its ugly head. I stand there and take it for a little bit, and then I go to bed, and I'll see you again tomorrow. Are we stuck in that routine? What is the giant? Have we just accepted it? Or do we need to be more like David? No chance. I'm not having it. I'm not taking it anymore. We can't let this giant intimidate us. And so David shows up and then he begins to ask the question, all right, what do we get if we kill this giant? This guy who is there, who is taunting us day in, day out. What do we get? If we kill the giant and this standoff, it's been going on 40 days. And so you can imagine that Saul, the king of Israel, is kind of getting a little bit desperate right now. He's like, okay, none of my army, not one of them is willing to step up and to face this giant. So I'm going to have to give them an incentive. We shouldn't need an incentive to go to battle. That is our job. And yet Saul's like, okay. I'll give you an incentive. Let's see if this will encourage you. And he starts to offer this huge reward. It's basically like X-Factor level competition prize. You can have the holiday. You can have the cash. And you can have a car. You can have it all, but you've got to be in it to win it. And so Saul's offering up some cash. He's offering his daughter's hand in marriage. She doesn't get a say in it. And he's saying, you can live tax-free for the rest of your life. Well, that sounds like a pretty sweet deal to me, depending on what the daughter looks like. <laughs> and so David's like, all right, I'm in. Sign me up. And so he's asking these questions and he's having these conversations with the soldiers. And then overcomes the eldest brother, Eliab. What are you doing here, runt? Who's looking after the sheep? What, what on earth are you doing here? Any younger siblings in the house feeling David's pain right now? Let me tell you, it's just because they're jealous because the youngest are the favorites. <laughs> Come on. So Eliab is ripping into his baby brother and David's like, what have I done now? I was just asking a question. What, what are you getting on at me about? Just chill out, mate. And so with all this going on, it gets the attention of Saul. And so David's dragged in front of the king. And I just love David's attitude throughout this whole situation. He rocks up on the scene and the soldiers are all kind of quaking in their boots at the thought of facing this Goliath, this giant, this mammoth of a man. And David's like, who said we can't defeat him? 
Why, why are you just sitting around not doing anything? I'll have a go. He's big, but he's not that big. Come on, I'll take him on. And I kind of imagine the scene a little bit like uh, a, a movie. You, can imagine, you know those like bar scenes in movies where it's really noisy and there's chairs screeching and people chatting and music blaring and glasses chinking. And then, then David says this word, I'll take him on. And then everything stops and it just goes dead silent and everyone's staring at David. What did he say? I'll take him on. I'll have a go. It kind of reminds me of me when I first started uh, big school, year seven. And I mean, I'm not a tall guy, am I? Year seven, I was not tall. I was <laughs> very small. And yet somehow I went into school, big school, with my blazer that looked ridiculous. And I had this confidence and this boldness around me that I would taunt the sixth formers who literally looked like giants to me. And so I'm in the corridors and I'm kind of hurling abuse at them and, and just kind of thinking, yeah, I can do this. I can take you on. Well, it ended up with me upside down in a bin, but things, <laughs> things worked out better. For, I'm not kidding. That actually happened. Things worked out much better for David and we'll get there, but let's kind of work through the story. He was totally up for the fight. The runt of the litter, this small 17-year-old boy, sees this nine-foot giant and thinks, I'll have a go. He's got this confidence that's come from I don't know where, and he's just like, he's not scared, he's not worried, he's ready to stand up and face this giant. And so what gave him the confidence to stand up? When everyone else, these trained soldiers, were quaking in their boots, what gave David the courage and the boldness to say, I'll have a go. I'll have a go. He was nothing. This kid that was forgotten by his dad. This shepherd boy. But in front of the king, in front of Saul, he begins to explain himself. And I love the transition. Let me just find it in, in the scripture. I can't find the exact words. I'm sure he says, I used to be a shepherd boy. I'm sure it says that. I used to be a shepherd like already in this moment, the transition has happened. I used to be a shepherd. Now I'm ready to fight. I used to be, but now I'm ready to fight. And so he goes on to explain himself. Let me tell you what I used to do. When bears would come out after my sheep, and bears have got claws, I would knock them down. I would slay the bears. And when lions would come and lions have got teeth, I would take them out. I would destroy them. David, just a shepherd boy a moment ago, but now in this moment, something shifted in his mindset, in his perception of himself and what he was called to do. I'm no longer a shepherd boy. Now I've been called to fight this Goliath. Something changed in his spirit and I love his boldness and I love his courage because everyone else was too afraid to fight and David was able to say, I've taken on bears, I've taken on lions so I can take on this big bully. The bigger the giant, the harder they fall. And so with everyone else too afraid David was able to say, I'm going to go for it. And at first, Saul was like, there's no chance, kid. I'm not letting you go out to fight. You are just a little boy. And this guy came out of the womb wearing armor, ready to fight. He knows how to fight. And you are weak. You are 
nothing. But David's like, no, I can do it. I've got boldness. I've got courage. Here is my CV, if you like, of experience for this moment. And so Saul's like, okay, I'll accept it. I mean, what has he got to lose? No one else is willing to go to fight. So, okay, David, off you go. You can do it. And so he begins to give David this pep talk and he begins to clothe him in his armor. And it's funny, isn't it, how Saul is is giving David advice on a battle that he's not willing to fight. Saul wasn't willing to go into this battle. The king of Israel not willing to go into battle. So at the end of summer, I went to the Lake District. I went camping with some of my guy friends. And we went to this place called Black Moss, Black Moss Pot. And it is this 20-foot cliff into a very deep plunge pool. And so we'd gone with the intention that we will jump off this cliff into this water. And we got there, and there were two guys already doing this jump. And we're like, okay, I can see it's safe. They're doing it. They've survived. And so we're kind of at the side, we're just like, we'll just watch for a little bit. We'll see how this goes so we can get up some courage. And then a whole bunch of kids rock up, like 20 kids, about 13 years old. And they just start jumping in, no fear, backflip. I'm not kidding, backflips off the 20-foot rocks into this water. No fear whatsoever. And then there's a couple of other people kind of doing this. And one of my friends, so none of us at this point have jumped in. Not one of us had jumped in. We're like, hmm. Well, maybe. We'll have a think about it. But one of my friends, Joe, he went up to kind of the the pool area and he was giving direction to everyone else. Oh, what you want to do is you want to jump in at this point. You want to land here. This is the safe bit. You can do it if he'd not been in. But he was quite happy standing there giving guidance to it. Let me tell you, I know how to do it. This is where it's safe. This is how you. But he hadn't been in. He wasn't willing to put himself on the line. But he was quite happy giving direction. And that was what Saul was doing. I'm not willing to do it myself, but let me give you some guidance. Just as an aside, he did actually do it in the end. But uh, I didn't quite do the 20-foot one, I'm not going to lie. I did like the 15, 10-foot one. But it was still scary. You go there, you do it. Then come and laugh at me. Anyway, one day I'll do it. But Saul's like, okay, here's here's the advice. And he tries to load David up with this armor. But David's like, this armor isn't me. This armor doesn't fit me. This armor was made for a grown man and I'm a 17-year-old boy. I can't even walk in this stuff. And so he quickly kind of takes it off and he's like, this just isn't going to work. And so he takes off the armor and he goes to find some equipment that is more suitable and more familiar to him. It says in the scripture, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the brook and he put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached a Philistine. Now we talked last week, didn't we, that God's called us to battle, but we've got to go to battle as ourselves. We've got to go to battle like us and not like someone else because David was given in that moment before he went to battle, everything he could need to go to battle. Here is the armor. Here is the helmet. Here is the sword. Here is the shield. This is how you go into battle. This is how you prepare to go to fight. But that wasn't David. He wasn't a soldier. He was a shepherd boy. 
And this is such an important part of the story. And if we take away anything from this morning, let it be this. That we have got to go to battle as ourselves. If we want to face the giants in our lives, if we want to fulfill the purpose of God for our lives, we should wear the clothes that God has provided for us. Not for someone else, but for us. We should be the people that God has created and called us to be. Don't try to be someone else. Don't try to be the person that you think God wants you to be. Be you, the person who God has created you to be. Because God called you. And so you are meant to be you. You are placed here for such a time as this. You have been equipped and empowered. You have all of the experience that has led up to this moment in your life to face the giant, not as someone else, but as you. So just be you. It's far easier than being someone else. Because when you try to be someone else, you can get confused and you can stumble and you can fall. But when you're you, it's easy. I know how to be me. I know how to do this as me. So we've just got to go to fight. We've got to go to battle as ourselves. And so David goes to battle armed with a sling and with five stones and You can picture it, can't you? The Israelite army back on their hill as David begins to make his way down into the valley. And some of them are probably covering their eyes going, I can't watch this kid. He's going to get absolutely destroyed. And then one guy's at the back and he's got his binoculars and he's giving updates to all of the army. Okay, he's making his way down. I can see him now. He's looking a bit shifty. Okay, the the Goliath's walking towards him. I can see there's something going on. It, It looks like they're having a chat. Now, this is where we get to the best part of any fight, isn't it? And in a school fight, it doesn't usually get past this moment. The trash talk. And so this is what's going down. And Goliath's there and he's facing David, giant and boy, face to face in this moment. And Goliath almost laughs. Am I a dog that you come after me with a stick? He's jeering down at this boy from his looming height. And he looks at this youngest son, this shepherd boy, this runt of the litter, and he laughs. What a joke that you would send this boy to face me, Goliath, mighty warrior. But David isn't phased. Goliath's thrown his trash talk. Well, now it's time for David to hurl back his trash talk. And it's far better than anything Goliath can say. Come on then. You might come at me with a sword and with a shield, but I've got almighty God on my side. You don't stand a chance. Goliath says, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to feed you to the birds. And David says, no, I'm going to destroy you. And I'm going to feed you to the birds. Come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. It feels like that, doesn't it? It's just in that moment. Because Goliath saw David from the context of who he was. But David saw Goliath from the context of who God is. Does that make sense? Goliath saw David out of the context who he is, a giant of a man. But David saw Goliath in the context of who God is, the almighty, the all-powerful, the king of kings, lord of lords, creator God. He doesn't stand a chance. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you. 
I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. I come to you in the name of the Lord. David knew without a doubt that God was with him. And so David was seeing this battle through spirit-filled vision. This battle belongs to the Lord. This battle belongs to the Lord. And so that guy looking through the binoculars again, he's saying, oh, Goliath's moving towards David now. They've finished chatting, but David, David seems to be loading a stone into his sling and he's hurled it. Is it going to hit? Is it going to? It's hit him. I think it's hit him. And Goliath starts to fall. He's only gone and done it. He's only gone and done it. What, but wait, what, what's he doing now? He's, one, what, he's walking towards Goliath. Has he not seen those movies where the bad guy always comes back for one last fright? Why is he walking towards the giant? But that's not how it goes this time. He strolls up towards the giant and he takes out Goliath's sword and he chops his head off. There's gruesome stuff in the Bible, isn't there? He chops his head off and he picks it up for them all to see. Look at what I've done. Look at what God has done. And so now the Philistines are looking through their binoculars and they're like, oh no, Goliath's fallen. It's over. It's over. Mayday, mayday. And they all turn tails and run away because Goliath, the giant, was defeated. The battle was won. The battle was won. But looking at our lives today, if the battle is won, and not just this battle, but if the battle is won because Jesus died on the cross, why are there still giants in our lives? Why does stuff still rear its ugly head in front of us and cause us to quake in our boots? If the battle is already won, why do we still find ourselves fighting these battles? Well, let me just remind you before we close of the, when the Israelite spies were sent into the promised land. They were sent in to, to scope out what the land was like, what was going on. And so the 12 spies, they go in to the promised land and they spend 40 days and 40 nights. It's quite interesting that they go 40 days. This battle's been going on for 40 days. And so they go in and they spend this time scouting out the land and they come back and they bring their report. Now, 10 of them come back. Ah, oh, the land looks amazing. It's flowing with milk and honey. Just taste this fruit. It is so good. But there are giants and they are scary. But then two of the spies, well, they come back and they're like, this land is beautiful. It's flowing with milk and honey. Taste and see that this fruit is good. Let's go get it. Let's go get it. When those 12 spies went into the land, the giants were there for all of them to see. They all saw the giants and 10 of them came back and 10 of them focused on the size of the giants. But two of them focused on the size of God. Ten of them looked at the giants, two of them looked at God. And so when we look at our lives, the giants are there. The giants are there, but they are already defeated. The battle is already won, but the giants are there, 
and they are there to scare us if we let them, if we look at the size of the giants, but if we look at the size of God, we don't need to worry about the giants. We can just think to ourselves, the land is good. The future is good. The best is yet to come. We don't have to fear those giants anymore. We can just remember the size of our good, of our God. We might be in Christ, but we are still in the battle. We might be in Christ, but we're still in the battle. And what I love about this story is David's attitude through it all, his heart, his passion, his absolute certainty through it all. In those words we read as he spoke to Saul, he said, let no man's heart fail because of this giant. Let no man's heart fail because of this giant. Your servant will go and fight. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Another translation says, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Those 10 spies, they saw the beauty. They saw the goodness. But then they saw the giants and they lost heart. But the two, they saw the goodness. They saw the incredible land and they didn't lose heart. They didn't lose heart. When you find yourselves in a challenging situation, don't lose heart. When the battle rears its ugly head yet again, don't lose heart. When you've been dealing with this thing for 40 days or 40 weeks or 40 years even, don't lose heart. Because we're not David. We're not David. In our lives, we aren't the giant slayer. Jesus is the giant slayer. David was just a man like me and like you. He was just a man. And we see through the story of his life, as you look forwards beyond this moment, that he made a whole bunch of mistakes. But the thing is that he reminds us of another man, a man who came after David, a true and better David who went by the name of Jesus. And the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart, but he was just a man. He was just a man. But look at these similarities. Both David and Jesus born in Bethlehem. David's name means beloved. Jesus was his father's beloved. Jesus came from the bloodline of David. Both of them came from humble beginnings. Jesus, a carpenter's son. David, a shepherd boy. And both called and anointed to be king. But the thing that's so similar, and watch this, is when David went out to fight and risked his life and he took that slingshot and he slung that stone and it hit the skull of the giant and he defeated the Philistine enemy once and for all. How many of you know that as that giant fell to the ground the, and the Israelite people, they did absolutely nothing but stand around and quake in their boots, that that victory became theirs. They did nothing, and yet the victory became their victory. Now, you're seeing where I'm going here. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus too went to battle. 
Jesus too went to battle and he stepped up to fight a fight that on paper had no chance of winning and he went to the cross. He took your place and he took my place and he defeated the greatest enemy that there ever was. He defeated sin, he defeated death, he defeated hell and the grave. And what's crazy is I didn't pick up any stones. I didn't pick up a sword. But what Jesus did on the cross When he defeated that enemy, his victory became my victory. His victory became our victory, even though we've done nothing to help in that fight. But unlike David, unlike David, he didn't just risk his life. He gave his life. He gave his life once and for all to defeat the greatest enemy there ever was. And he declares to each and every one of us now, the battle is won. The battle is won. The victory is yours. Just let that sink in for a minute because we're looking at our lives and we're saying, but John, the giant is still there. The giant is still looming in front of me. This situation is not going anywhere, any, anywhere, even though I know the truth that the battle is won. The battle is won. The victory is ours. We just need to look at this situation through spirit eyes and not physical eyes. We need to see that the land is good. We need to see the victory beyond the giants and not come back with the report, there are giants we can't defeat, but come back with the report, the victory is mine, we have already won. We've already won. Amen? Amen. God, we just thank you so much that the victory is ours, that the enemy is defeated. God, I thank you for this example of David who was just a man. Just a man like us and yet he chose to go into battle. He chose to step out of what was comfortable and put his neck on the line so that he could defeat the enemy. God, I pray that we wouldn't get too comfortable. God, I pray that you would shake us this morning. That you would say coming to church on a Sunday is not enough. No longer should we be sitting around the campfire and toasting marshmallows and just having a good time. We need to step out of our comfort zone. We need to acknowledge the giant that is looming in front of us and say, I can defeat it. I will defeat it. God, with the power of your spirit in my life, I can take on this giant because the victory is already won. The giant's still there, but the victory is already won. So right now in this moment, I no longer accept this giant in my life. I no longer accept this issue over my life, whatever it is. Anxiety, fear, financial worries, bad relationships, words spoken over me in the past. Whatever it is, I no longer accept it. I've been living with this intimidation for too long and right now, that's it. I'm stepping out and stepping in 
to battle, not as someone else. Not trying to do it how someone else does it, but how you've created me to do it because you've called me to this battle. You've called me to face this giant and you've given me everything I need in order to win the battle. And so God, right now we declare, I will step out. I will face this giant with the knowledge that you are with me, with your armies, with your angels surrounding this mountain, knowing that the victory is mine in you. Just think about what that giant is in your life right now. Just allow God's spirit to prompt you because maybe even you've become so comfortable with the giant in your life that you don't even realize it's a problem. But it's there in the shadows, intimidating you, stopping you in your tracks, stopping you from progressing in your faith journey, stopping you from stepping into the fullness of what God has called you to. God revealed to us what that giant is right now. God, show us what it is that we're up against. It's big. It's scary. Sometimes it's got me quaking in my boots and recoiling in fear. But God, I pray that you will show us now, that you will open our eyes to see that you are with us, to see that the victory is won, to see that the battle is already over. We are victorious in you. And so right now, right now we take that step. I'll have a go. I'll face this giant. It's big, but it's not that big. It's big, but my God is bigger. And so right now, put your shoulders back. Hold your head up high with the sword of the spirit of truth at the ready. The truth of the knowledge that God is with you, that God is for you. That he won't let anything come against you. That he doesn't put anything in your way that you don't already have everything you need to overcome. With the truth of the knowledge that the battle is already won. We don't need to be scared anymore. We don't need to be scared anymore. Because we know you've already defeated those giants. You've already promised us what's on the other side. That land that is flowing with milk and honey and the fruit that tastes so good. God, we want to see that. God, we want to step into that. Into the promise that you've set before us. Into the promise that says there is something better ahead. 
into the promise that says, I have called you to this. The victory is here. The harvest is here. It is ready. Just push through and you will see it. God, right now, show us that the victory is ours. Show us the battle's won. Show us we don't need to be afraid because we've already got everything we need. This battle belongs to the Lord. This battle belongs to the Lord. This battle belongs to our God.